Chris Gauza here with Matt Howell. And on this week of the first run, we get our spooky time on with the latest from Bloomhouse. Blumhouse? Blumhouse. The Black Phone. Is it the best horror movie in ages, or is that just more hyperbole from the desperate fan base of a genre with the lowest bar for entry, yet the highest bar for quality? Your know-it-all internet uncles are here to make the definitive call. Then we dive into the Le Marchand box of stop-motion animation, Mad God. One man's passion project, 30 years in the making, with a history that seems like it was cribbed from a creepypasta. Was it worth it? Does it make sense? Have your hosts stared into the void and saw the void stare back? You'll find out soon enough. We'll have our rundown of the new releases in physical media, your straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week. Then we'll wrap it up with our bookie-approved probability game, What Are the Odds? So let's get this further descent into despair and madness started with a clip from The Black Phone. I know you're scared and you want to go home. I'll take you home soon. Sister, I gotta be upstairs for a while. Something's come up. What? Never mind what. Someone's coming. I'll scream. If someone's upstairs, they'll hear me. With the door shut, no one can hear anything down here. I soundproofed it myself. So shout if you like, you won't bother anyone. If you try to touch me, I'll scratch your face. And whoever's coming will see and ask why. This face? That only a mother could love. (laughs) Matt, what is the black phone all about? So it's 1978, and I'm not exactly sure where they are, but they're in, let's say, Haddonfield, Illinois. And they, the movie follows a young boy who is um, not very popular, is picked on at school, and he is hearing tales of someone called the Grabber, who grabs young boys and they are never seen again, losing a couple friends to the Grabber when... Eventually, on his way home from school one day, he's grabbed by the grabber, which you heard, and he's kept in a basement. And he has starts getting messages from beyond the grave from his the grabber's other victims, um, telling him how to escape. So, are you familiar with the source material at all? No. So, um, I know it is a as a story by Joe Hill, um, who is Stephen King's mm-hmm. son. I have not read this story, so I'm not familiar with it how this plays out in the the written word. I understand it's rather faithful mm-hmm. to uh, the original story is everything I've read. And Scott Derrickson and Robert Cargill had previously teamed up to do Sinister. Mm-hmm. And then they, they worked together on Doctor Strange, okay. the first film. And then they'd wanted to do this movie for a while, but Derrickson had gotten a call to do you know Doctor Strange 2, mm-hmm. but then they separated mm-hmm. over creative differences. My understanding is I think that Derrickson wanted to go a more traditional horror route, maybe a little bit more than the MCU was prepared to go. Sure. So they picked back up and ran with the black phone. Matt, as you said in your intro, it has gotten a lot of praise in horror circles, mm-hmm. particularly film, Twitter, horror Twitter is all all in on this thing. And I say it's a lot of fun. It's very scary. Maybe we have the next Freddy or Jason on our hands. I don't know, Matt. What are your thoughts on The Black Phone? Is it one of the best horror films you've seen this year? Is it at least good? Uh, Yeah, so 
I went into this pretty blind, especially when I heard that it was starting to blow up. So I didn't want to spoil it. Other than that initial trailer, um, I kind of stayed away from anything about it because I didn't want to be influenced or anything like that. Honestly, it's fine. I don't think it's particularly earth shattering. It's an interesting idea to stay away from maybe spoiler alert, but you don't spend a lot of time from the perspective of the grabber. In fact, the villain is almost kind of like this tertiary character that kind of swings around the periphery and causes the action, but it's not really focused on him. A lot of it is more of this kind of supernatural focus on the victims kind of thing. And it all has kind of a, like a dead zone-y quality to it, but Mm. not as good as the dead zone. I thought it was okay. Like, I don't see what, I don't get what all the hype is about. I mean, am I wrong on this? No, I don't I don't think so. I think it's a little light on scares when it seems to me that seemed to be the big marketing push mm-hmm. that this thing was going to be this terrifying. They even did the trailer tease, right? Where they see the um in the black in the you know, they see the audience's reactions sure. to scene in the film like they did a la like Blair Witch back in the day, right? right? And it doesn't really have that many scares in it at all. I think it's got one really solid jump scare in it mm-hmm. and a couple of good ones as well. But I think like you implied previously, I think that's really not what the movie is about. I think this film is its an interesting story. I think but it's more about Finn's growth. And Matt, it's yet again another kind of coming-of-age movie. Sure. But this one in the horror genre. Now, I feel I would have liked to have gotten a little more of Ethan Hawke's Grabber. By the way, as a name, I kind of like it. I like its minimalist kind of take, sure. right? There's some, there's a purity to that name, the Grabber. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. But like you said, he's not the star of this film. He's no Freddy. He's no Jason, right? There's no overlooming monster uh, in the film. I mean, they kind of play it that way in the beginning yeah. where, you know, you got to look out for the grabber. He's stalking this neighborhood though. Odd, oddly too, people don't, they talk about it, but nobody seems overly concerned about it. Right. Like there's like no, um, what do you call it? Where you can't be out late at night curfew. Yeah. There's no seen curfews mm-hmm. in town mm-hmm. or anything. And parents seem to have no concerns with their kids walking <laughs> home alone all the time. It's the 70s. But Come on. That's true. Parents were a little more free range back then, mm-hmm. as I can attest. But um, yeah, I think Cargill and Derrickson's script here is solid. I think their performances here are good as well, particularly from our two leads, Mason Thomas and Madeline McGraw, as our kids. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have gotten more Hawk. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I agree. So I think... I compare this to two things. One, the previous work with Sinister, which I thought was a lot more effective in both the jump scares and just kind of overall creepiness and unsettlingness of that. I rather enjoyed that little horror movie. I thought it was quite good. This, and I don't know if that's more a factor of the fact that it's written by Stephen King's son, but it has Mm -hmm. not only Dead Zone overtones, but it has It overtones a little bit. Like in the part where all these kids go disappear and nobody seems to care kind of thing. Um, except yeah. you don't have a supernatural ancient evil kind of running this thing. Honestly, I, f- I feel like it would have been better. Like you said, if we had gotten more Ethan Hawk, if we had gotten more grabber, if it was more of a straight up battle of wits between these two characters, um, instead it's just kind of like these long, um, sequences of 
talking to ghosts and having pr- prophetic dreams and stuff like that. And like, I don't know, it just doesn't, like I said, it's fine. It's, it's, it's well enough crafted, especially based on the bar that horror movies give you, but it's not, it's not scary and it's not thrilling necessarily. I, I just, I don't know. I'm just kind of very lukewarm on it. I'm kind of disappointed in what I expected. Yeah. I mean, the grabber isn't so much, a terrifying monster as he's a catalyst event Mm -hmm. he is the one that provides the impetus for finn's character to mature and realize his own personal power and also acts as a way to provide a remedy to the i'll put it nicely difficult family situation Mm -hmm. that he's in Mm -hmm. right so yeah it's it's listen i think it's mostly successful for what it tries to do and I appreciate it as a throwback to kind of those 70s, late 70s kind of horror films. It almost feels to me like a TV movie at yeah, times, right. 70s horror movie. Right. Um, which I respect and I don't have an issue with. It's just that's kind of the conceit you're getting here. All right. Um, I don't know how I feel about the supernatural sections of the film. I found that stuff kind of be like you said, a little bit underwhelming, mm-hmm. maybe a little too talky. And I'm not, at times, wasn't even entirely convinced that maybe those things happen. Right. Right? I don't know if maybe this is more Finn's internal process of figuring things out. Though there is a line that one of the ghosts tells him that the grabber can hear the phone too, but he doesn't believe it's actually ringing. Mm -hmm. But again, if this is all in Finn's head, then who knows if that's actually true. I don't think we have a moment where the grabber interacts at all with the phone in any capacity outside of being hit with it. Right. Right? So... (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I still have, there's enough here to enjoy, and I would recommend you watch it. Just don't go into this thinking this is going to be like the most terrifying thing you've seen mm-hmm. this year. It's not. Yeah. It has some solid scares, an interesting story about our two leads and their lives and their families that features this kind of nondescript villain character that is more about promoting their growth than it is about scaring the pants off of you yeah. and with that matt i'm still going to give it a b minus i think it's there's enough there to enjoy yeah uh i think i'm gonna be a little harsher i'm gonna give it a c um i just didn't think it was that great i will say that it does have me intrigued to add this short story to my list of things to read um, i'll put mm-hmm. it right next to the short story that i was able finally to track down based on that antlers was based off of um see I'll give you a full report on whether I thought this, the books were better. Fair enough. That sounds good. So a C for Matt. Mm-hmm. There you go, folks. Those are our thoughts on the black phone. If you get a chance to see it, shoot us an email at feedback at the first to run dot com. Matt, coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, July 5th. Happy uh, birthday, America. <laughs> this may be your last one. <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about Matt, I think maybe one of the best films we've seen this year. What's happening? Look, I'm talking to my ex-husband. Like I said to you before. It's you messing with my head. What do I do? Don't she? We don't want to wear my head. Calm down, please. Calm down. Relax your body in the other universe, please. Going to autopilot. You can't then deduct it if it's an off. Good. Good. They don't know you and I are in this universe yet. So hopefully I'll have some time to explain. I'm not your husband, and he's not the one you know. 
I'm another version of all from another life path, another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. No uh, time to help you. There's a great evil that has taken root in my world, and it's begun spreading its chaos throughout the many verses. I've spent years searching for the one who might be able to match this great evil with an even greater good and bring back balance. All those years of searching have brought me here, to this universe, to you. I know it's a lot to take in right now. Got to Mrs. Wang. Hello. So Matt, that of course is a clip from Everything Everywhere All at Once by the Daniels. Good film, man. I was putting my, I finally was updating the calendar I have in my office. Mm-hmm. And uh, I list, I start keeping a list of all my favorite films of the year. And this is going to come up in our What Are the Odds segment. But my list of favorite films of the year is painfully short. Yeah. And I still think that this is one of the better ones we've seen so far. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. But I mean, it always seems like, is it me or does it seem like we say that every summer? Like, and then by fall time we get a, a bunch that we really enjoy let me ask sure. you this i mean a lot of people that we follow on twitter and stuff they absolutely adore this film like they mm-hmm. think it's like the best thing since sliced bread is that is am i wrong like i really enjoyed it but i don't think it's great like i don't think it's that good if that makes any sense hmm. i'd come down right between the two of you okay the uh, film twitter's adoration and then you're it's 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 good yeah i think it's quite good yeah and it, if we had, if i had to choose a movie today that we saw that was my favorite for the year this probably would be it okay uh i think it's a lot of fun there's a lot to enjoy with it it's very smart very clever so yeah no i'm right in the middle i guess okay fair enough i just was curious it's not, and i don't want to imply that i didn't like it i do think it's quite good i just don't think it's that good you know what what i'm really okay. saying with this and the black phone is don't listen to film twitter that's, that's probably safe assumption. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can pick this up in Blu-ray and UHD. The UHD has a Dolby Atmos audio track, includes audio commentary by the Daniels. Um, some behind the scenes making of featured some deleted scenes and outtakes. Walmart has their own exclusive slip cover for this as well, which is just kind of all the googly eyes. Mm. It's basically the whole cover. But before we run in, Matt, run down the whole list i wanted to mention something first okay something we have not seen and i think it's almost three plus years now and this over this weekend matt four movies made over 20 million dollars oh. this is the first time in years that that has happened so maybe we don't have to write off cinema as dead just yet okay. maybe we have a, a momentary reprise okay I don't know for sure, but we had Top Gun Maverick took the weekend again, thirty and a half million. It's going to clear a billion dollars, I think, this upcoming weekend. Elvis, thirty and a half. Jurassic World Dominion, twenty six point four, and then The Black Phone, twenty three point four. Okay. So, and late year was seventeen point seven, right behind. So, uh, good on you, movies in Hollywood. Johnny Hollywood must be uh, pretty happy right now. So. <laughs> What else we have coming out? Uh, I think I have this in my queue to check out, and that is Memory, directed by Martin Campbell, who directed a couple very good Bond films. Uh, this is the one featuring Liam Neeson, Monica Bellucci, and Guy Pierce, another uh, Liam Neeson actioner. But that's a solid cast. Campbell delivers some, I think, pretty good action at times. Other times not. But um, at some point, i got to check out Memory. Downton Abbey continues, Matt, a new era. There is a set that includes a photo book, postcards, and a tea strainer. Uh, Audio commentary on that one with some behind-the-scenes featurettes. I've yet to watch a minute of Downton Abbey. What about you? 
Yeah, I've I have absolutely zero interest in Downton Abbey, so I have not seen any of it. Fair enough. I thought as we get older and whiter, we're supposed to watch it. I don't know if it's more like when we're sixty. It gets, it becomes mandatory. You know what? Course. I don't think so. I think I feel like we're going to be, at least I'll speak for me. I feel like when you're in your sixties, you're going to be watching like, like Jack Reacher and Jack Ryan spy shows and stuff like that. And I'm going to be watching Probably. like, uh, I'll still be watching like sci-fi shows, you know, that whatever, whatever terrible ones come out, I'll still be watching those. Fair enough. Uh, what else we got coming up? Monstrous featuring Christina Ritchie, uh, story centers on a traumatized woman fleeing, fleeing, from her abusive ex-husband and with a seven-year-old son. In their new remote sanctuary, they find they have a bigger, more terrifying monster to deal with. A banquet? A widowed mother, Holly, is radically tested when her teenage daughter, Betsy, experiences a profound enlightenment and insists that her body is no longer her own, but it is in service to a higher power. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is releasing Okja in 4K or in a Blu-ray set. Includes a 4K master approved by Bong Joon-ho, uh, Dolby Vision on Dolby Atmos on that as well. Some uh, new conversations with Bong and producer Du Hu Choi. New interviews and more, including a short program, which is a video diary from the director featuring um, appearances by different actors, including Paul Dano, Jake Gyllenhaal, Tilda Swinton, and Stephen Yoon. Uh, the Virgin Suicides is getting a UHD release from Criterion as well. A brand new 4K restoration approved by Sofia Coppola. Interviews with the uh, cast and crew, a 1998 documentary on the making of the movie, and more. MVD is putting out Miami Blues. This is the Alec Baldwin film. I've always wanted to check this out. I've heard it's pretty good. Um, that's getting a physical media release. Oscilloscope is releasing John Cameron Mitchell's... How to describe this? Much beloved. And... Very, very graphic... Short Bus uh, is getting released on Blu-ray. I think it's been out of print for quite a while. I don't know if it's ever actually been on Blue. Kino Lorber is releasing Ants with a brand new 2K restoration, as well as uh, new interviews and a new audio commentary as well. Kino is also putting out Terror Out of the Sky, the TV sequel to The Savage Bees. gets a brand new 2K restoration as well as a new audio commentary. And it's all um, insects and bugs this week. Matt Kino is putting out Tarantulas. The Deadly Cargo, a brand new 2K restoration to that one, as well as a new audio commentary. Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder, also known as the Japanese Evil Dead, is being released. Hero from 88 Films is coming out. Corey Yoon's remake of Chang Che's Boxer. The Hunted from William Friedkin is coming out. This is a film with Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro. is getting put back into print on Blu-ray. And then Baby Oopsie. Sybil Pittman is a meek and mild-mannered doll collector whose only joy, Matt, in life is restoring old dolls. Harassed by local kids, co-workers, and her abusive stepmother, Sybil finds her demoralizing life takes a murderous turn with the arrival of the mysterious baby oopsie doll. Your UHD releases, Matt, this week. Edge of Tomorrow, the great Doug Lyman, mm. Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt, sci-fi actioners getting a 4K release. And then uh, there is a steel book coming out in the UK from Warner Brothers. That looks really cool. And then finally, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Matt. I'm going to go Bigfoot or Bust. A team of curvy celebrities head out on a quest to search for the Bigfoot. Unaware, another group of time-traveling buxom women from the future are also looking for the elusive creature. 
What should we be streaming this week? Well, I'm going to recommend, I think, the biggest release that came out. I don't know if the best, but it, it was the biggest. And so Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is available uh, for your viewing pleasure on Disney+. Plus. I think we had mixed feelings on the end result. I think it worked really well in some places. and others, it was a bit of a disappointment. But mm. even if you're not an MCU fan, um, let's say you're a Sam Raimi fan or a horror fan, there might be enough here to keep you entertained and maybe watch it with some of the older kids because there are some disturbing scenes in it. But I, I I give the MCU an E for effort for at least kind of trying to move in a little bit of a different directorial direction. Yeah, no, you can definitely uh, check that out. All right, so we'll keep rolling, Matt. Let's spend a few minutes and talk about, I don't know why I gave myself this one to explain what it's about. <laughs> But spend a few minutes so and talk about Mad God. So Matt, that's just a sample of some of the riveting dialogue that you get. I'm surprised you played a clip even. <laughs> Phil Tippett's Mad God. A uh, stop motion live action film, what, 30 years mm-hmm. in the making. Mm-hmm. Phil Tippett considered to be one of, if not the leading stop motion, stop motion animators in the world. He did work on Star Wars, uh, Robocop, Starship Troopers, a bunch of stuff. And he's been working on this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so much so that he had a nervous breakdown at one point working on it. He ran out of money at one point and they did a Kickstarter and he raised more money than he needed, which is fantastic. He'd released it in, I guess, sections and chapters. And now Shudder has the entire thing for your viewing pleasure. Mm-hmm. So Mad God, what's it about? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it's about... All right, so Matt, this is what I was able to piece together, and correct me where if where I'm wrong, or sure. if maybe you th- you think I'm wrong. Who even knows? Okay. But there is like one person left on Earth mm-hmm. who may or may not be a Nazi, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there are some warring factions, and the world is slowly basically falling apart. Mm-hmm. And this character, known simply as the Assassin, is dropped down like a diving bell type capsule thing behind enemy lines set with a suitcase full of explosives to trigger other suitcases full of explosives i believe uh to then i don't know cause an end to the war just to kill everybody in the back of the enemies but he gets captured and bad stuff happens to him and then we get a second assassin who goes to do a second mission and then other stuff happens and <laughs> It it's a very very weird movie. Yeah, and I'm reading so much into this, Matt. When I'm watching, I'm like, is this a like a critique of life under capitalism, or is this Parenthood? Because there's a lot of screaming babies in this thing. Mm-hmm. Is it just a kind of crushing circle of what life is like? Mm-hmm. 
is it more a prophetic view of what would have happened if the Nazis won World War II? Why are all of the Man With No Name trilogy outfits shown at one point mm -hmm. in the movie, which I found interesting? Um, also, Phil clearly has some dark sexual kinks that I am not judging him for, <laughs> but there are quite a few. And he is obsessed with eyes. Mm. I think um, I, I'm confident in saying that. Or is this just basically, I think where we are, Matt, is this is where is Tippett's throwing a whole bunch of stuff at the wall. And this is his dark, troubled soul's interpretation of the universe, its creation, its end, and all the darkness and harm and pain mm -hmm. that you experience throughout. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on Mad God? Yes. The end. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot that's there. I think this is one of those films that has is open to many, many different interpretations. Like you said, maybe it's the what he feels is the inevitable conclusion of society and the earth. And as we all kind of race our way toward entropy kind of thing, um, mm. you know, at the end, maybe he's making a statement that all of this is inevitable. And what, what is even the point, right? Why even try based on that kind of last series of images? Yeah, I don't know. This is one of those films that I feel like I need to kind of sit and ruminate with for a while. But I will say yeah. this. One, I'm not sure this was a smart idea to release this as one singular film. I think the idea of it being broken up into episodes Too much. would be better. I feel like then you could kind of approach this as a series of events with some gap in between. Mm -hmm. I feel like that would have been a better play than necessarily releasing this as one long cut. And do you remember that show on MTV in the nineties called liquid television where they would show like crazy animation and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this seems like something straight out of that. Um, this seems like a, like the guy who made all those stop motion tool videos in the nineties then decided that he made a series and put it on liquid television. This seems very much a throwback and it seems very weird for weirdness sake, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I appreciate, I applaud the guy's mm -hmm. effort. I, I, the guy definitely has a vision, whether I understand that vision is up for debate and I would come down to that. Maybe I don't, um, but it's something to, and maybe it's good that you don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe that <laughs> says enough about me, but I, but I'm, I think it's something, it's one of those things that you, just have to experience. I feel like this is going to be a cult classic. I feel like college age film students are going to get high and watch this thing and talk about and just yeah, like dissect man. it kind of thing. Yeah, I I'm glad it got made. Let's just say that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it is I tell you one thing. I was enraptured by this thing the entire time mm -hmm. i could not take my eyes off the screen there's so much detail and every little moment of this thing some of it horrific some of it disgusting some of it just um amazing mm -hmm. i mean it really it's it's a feast for the eyes but it's a very difficult subject and I, I don't know subjects different difficult medium just a lot of it is just a lot of disturbing material mm -hmm. in this thing i cannot recommend this for the general audience i absolutely cannot mm -hmm. but I feel as an a piece of art that it is a resounding success. Mm -hmm. I think this glimpse into 
Tippett's, I'm only, I can only assume dark psychosexual issues that he has, um, or at least his vision of what he feels the world is, uh, is it's riveting. And it, and like you said, I've been thinking about it since I watched it. It's an incredible experience, Matt. I really think like if this was an art school and this was your master thesis to get your doctorate, like in, in cinematic animation right. or whatever the case may be, your professor would give you an A and that's what I'm doing as well. Yeah. I think it's really just an intense, unforgettable experience. And the sheer artistry alone, I think I would be doing the film a disservice if I didn't give it an A. I don't think I'm ever going to watch it again, mm. but it is something. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you almost have to just kind of accept it as that it is a piece of art. And I think it's a definite spectacle. You know, if you like Hieronymus Bosch or H.R. Geiger or, you know, Francis Bacon with those creepy screaming mouths and stuff like that. That's what I was just going to mention. Yeah. Bacon. yeah. Um, this is for you. And I can tell you. 20 year old me would have been totally into this um, because I was into all that stuff when I was much, much younger. Um, I could see myself watching this again. I could. Um, mm. I think you can kind of separate yourself and just know that there's no real plot to follow. Just accept it for the images and the feel that it has. And I think there's yeah. a lot to dissect here. I'm going to give it an A as well. Um, I think it's a singular piece of filmmaking. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend that I know everything that's going on here, but as far as just the series of images that have, that evoke a response, an emotional response, it's wildly successful. Absolutely. If you had a chance to see Mad God, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. It is currently streaming on Shutter. So uh, there you go, folks. Check it out. I got to tell you, I think out of the streaming services, I think HBO Max is still the king. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to uh, horror and different artistic endeavors, I think Shudder is doing a lot of great work. I agree. They're willing to take risks. There's a lot more yeah. of interesting stuff on there. Yeah, that's true. All right, Matt, let's wrap up the show uh, with a round of what are those odds, kids? <clears throat> tell you Matt nothing in that franchise ever came close I think to that first film it is terrifying yeah that first Nightmare film is still Street. scary it's still so good I mean even for all the cheese there's some cheesy effects that don't hold up but man that what that is I think one of my favorite 80s horror films it's so good yeah so supposedly Jason Bloom says he's got an idea on how to bring back Robert England as Freddy mm. in a new Nightmare on Elm Street film um, I'll be honest with you. I think the reboot with Jackie Earl Haley is dull as the day is long. Mm-hmm. But I think Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy was good. Yeah. I think he was good in the role. Yeah. I just think the rest of the surrounding film was, was horrible. Yeah. 
But what are the odds that England comes back as Freddie? How old is he now? Is he in his seventies yet? No, he can't be. Pushing let's late sixties. Take a quick look here. Robert England is seventy-five. Then I'm going to say the odds are 5%. I feel like he's getting too old. By the time they kind of negotiate it and get this thing made, the man's going to be pushing 80. I don't, as much as I love it and as much as I hate to say that, you know, I'm not trying to be ageist, folks, but you do see that after, I think when people start to hit 80s, they're just not capable of what they're used to be as far as acting goes wise. It's it's a rare person who can pull it off. Um, and I just don't know if he can be menacing. I mean, I'm sorry, like, you know, I love you. I love you, Jean-Luc Picard, but you look you look incredibly frail in that new series. It just does not work. Um, look at what Clint Eastwood has become. I just, I would just rather just leave it as it is. And maybe just bring Jackie Earl Haley to give it another try. Yeah, I, man, I didn't realize England was so old. <laughs> no offense. I thought he, I don't know why, I thought he was more like in his early 60s, yeah. maybe. So that thought, oh, that's not going to be that heavy a lift. Yeah. And let's not forget, Harrison Ford is, or just what, wrapped filming Indy at 79. Right. Yeah, very and true. And he looked great in Crystal Skull. Yeah, he, he said, looked great. Yeah, right. He looked, I, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, he, you could definitely tell the stunt double, you know, that was a lot more spry, yeah. you know, kind of thing. I don't know if they de-age him or they just have has have him voice mm-hmm. the character in some capacity. Maybe. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. But he's not going to be jumping out no. of uh, corners or stuff anymore. <laughs> you know, drop his little bowl of activa. I just. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not confident either. I don't, the other thing too is that's Bloom's idea. Who knows if England even wants to do it? Right. I, he'd probably be game in some capacity. Yeah. Maybe do some voice work. Yeah. But full on. Robert as Freddy, yeah, I'm going. I'll go a little higher than you. I'll go ten percent, okay. but not much. All right, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I just think he's a little too old. If he was in his early sixties, I would say, okay, yeah, he'd be down to do it. But I yeah. think he's just getting too old. All right, so uh, you referenced it earlier, but it's actually official. Top Gun Maverick has passed the one billion mark in worldwide oh. box office sales. So, being that Johnny Hollywood learns always seems to learn the wrong lesson. What are the odds mm-hmm. we're going to see more 80s action throwback films based on the runaway success of of uh, Top Gun Maverick? That is interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, hmm. That's a good question, Matt. I mean, I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I That is my wheelhouse. That's kind of what I... That's my bread and butter, as the kids say, right? Did they say that? Sure. Is that the, their wheelhouse? Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me do this right. Okay. Um, are we going to get a reboot of 80s action movies? Like, are we going to... Yeah, but so what... So go ahead. Like, let's see. So they've been trying for a while, but they haven't been really successful, you know. But they've stuck to the veins of, like, the sci-fi vein, whether it's a RoboCop remake or different Predators and stuff like that. What about, like, if they did, like... And I don't even know if they could pull back some of these old stars, but, like you know, commando redux or something, you know, I, I don't know, like something mm. like that. Well, I think the first thing they got to do is like, a, I think we, it was horrible though. I was going to say to do a Conan remake, but then that Momoa film is just atrocious. Yeah, it's not good. And it's not even um, Momoa's fault. It's just not good. The problem too, is a lot of the big action, eighties action franchises are still kind of limping along a little bit. Yeah. Like 
I, I don't know. You could, I guess, lethal weapon could be one, mm. but then they had the show, mm -hmm. so I guess that doesn't really work. Die Hard, eh, it's, it's too sad. Mm. I don't know if I'd want to see a reboot with his kid. Mm -hmm. Jay Courtney takes over the reins. No thanks. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, what are the big action franchises in the 80s? I don't even... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we would... Because Top Gun wasn't a franchise, right? It was just a big cultural moment. So, like, what are, like, big action films that we had that are not necessarily franchises? Like, it can't be Terminator. That's been done right. to death. Yeah. Can't be Predator. Cobra? You can bring her Cobra. You know, I've never they seen rebooted Cobra. rebooted the... What, with uh, Stallone? Yeah, I've never seen Cobra. It's one of our one of our favorite clips, and you haven't seen it? Mm -mm. That's horrible. I know, I'm sorry. Relax, amigo. <laughs> I, have, I have to rebuild the board. I don't think I have that in here. No, I don't. I thought I did. That's... Uh... That's too bad. But, um, okay, so I did a quick search. We got, you said Commando, you got Kickboxer, but they did that with that guy from the the Jiu-Jitsu film. Mm -hmm. He's in those, I think, and those are horrible. And then you could just reboot a whole bunch of Arnold movies, I guess. The Running Man you could do. That's got the sci-fi feel. I don't know why they haven't run it, done anything with Highlander yet. That yeah. one blows my mind. Yeah. Beverly Hills Cop, Murphy's still around. You could probably get him to do another one. Yeah. They are redoing the, the Running Man, though. They are remaking it. Oh, are they? Was it a show? Or No, it's a, it's going to be a movie. I think it might be a Blumhouse oh, movie. Oh, okay. There you go. Would you reboot Rambo? Ugh. They just did... Uh, Stallone finally did his last one, I guess. Yeah. Probably another five years, so I'll look at that. I don't know, man. Yeah, because it seems like they've gone to the well a lot. Red Dawn's already been given a go and failed miserably. God, that was bad. Yeah. They did a Roadhouse sequel. I wouldn't want to see a reboot of Roadhouse. That's Roadhouse is one of those rare films where everything just kind of came together perfectly. Yeah. You can't repeat that match. It's lightning in a bottle of Roadhouse. Streets of Fire, same one, though that wasn't a big hit at the time. It's a cold classic, though. So, yeah, Lethal 48 Weapon. Hours, you could do. Tango and Cash. Black Rain. Tango, yeah, yeah. Black Rain. I watched that a little while ago when that was on Max. Man, it's not good. No? It's not good. A lot of people like it. I'm not a fan. Who is today's... I don't know. Who is today's... Uh, Michael Douglas. I, I, I have trouble kind of tagging. I don't know. Because like the the issue with a lot of the action big stars now is they're all big, bulky guys right. a little bit. I think, well, no, that's not true. I think Chris Pine, maybe? It's the reverse. Because the 80s, it was all Arnold and Van Damme. Yeah. And, the, and then 80s stars, it started with Bruce Willis, mm -hmm. where he didn't have to be jacked anymore. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if, we're, if our curve is going back up again. Because, you know, Chris Hemsworth is all ripped. Yeah. And then... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm just not seeing a Mad Max. Is we're getting that Furiosa film. Mm -hmm. Does that count? No. Iron Eagle. They're going to do a reboot of Iron Eagle. That's the lesson that they learned. <laughs> it's planes. That's what it is. It's fighter jets. Yeah. No. I don't know. I don't know. I I I mean, they will attempt it. Absolutely. Could we see a new over the top? Sure. We could. I think there's one thing Hollywood likes to do. It's to reboot and sequelize things, right? Because it's the cheapest way to turn out some product that has a built-in fan base to hopefully guarantee some level of seedage. So um, I would say 75% they're going to give it a shot for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll give it... I, you know what? I'm going to be... Just because we're... We have to be different. I'm going to say 70%. I think they're going to give it a shot, but I don't know what the hell they would even do. Like, I don't really know what they could even reach for to make it that way. Yeah. And maybe they go to, maybe, because, I mean, Top Gun, 
Maybe they start going to early 90s well. Maybe they go to that, you know? Um, I don't know. Oh, I hope not. I don't know. We're getting to get that Eraser sequel we always wanted. True Lies. What's the one with Gene Hackman and Will Smith that everybody likes that I hate? I want to it's the uh, spy thing. Whatever. Here's my periodic reminder. I don't know if you can rent it any, or if you can stream it anywhere, but I know you can rent it. Um, go watch Sean Connery in Outland. Mm-hmm. I have a weird affection for that film. <laughs> His, um, the uh, it's a, a remake of um, what's it called? High High Noon. Oh, okay. In space. Okay. And Connery is quite good in it. All right, Matt. Let's keep rolling. Okay, things have gotten worse for your boy Ezra Miller. <laughs> My boy, huh? Okay. Supposedly he has a woman and her three children on a compound now, oh, and there's a bunch God. of guns there. And Great. It's very weird. And just more and more horrible news keeps coming out about this cat. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that the Flash movie actually comes out at this point? Oh, boy. And do they reboot it? Do they do a uh, Kevin Spacey, all the money in the world thing? Wow. Yeah, but that's... He's in every scene, so I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to say there's an 80% chance it comes out. But, As a week? Huh? Yeah, <laughs> well, no. Week? I'm thinking maybe they put it directly on HBO Max just to let it die, like a quiet death, and just get it out there because they've spent the money. Uh, they probably mm-hmm. have contractual obligations to other people besides Ezra Miller to have this thing released, and then just go from there. But I... I think they're definitely going to release it in some form. Um, whether it's going to be a hit, I I don't I don't know. I don't I don't see how it can be at this point. Supposedly, this was the big reboot for the DCEU too, right? Bringing Michael Keaton back as Batman. DC is just reset cursed, everything. Man. DC is just cursed. Yeah, I don't know anymore. I really think they could shelve this thing if things get worse. Like if something happens and somebody dies. Mm then that's it. It's done. Well, and like, know what the weird thing I saw on like Reddit and stuff, people saying they can pivot and make like, like minimizes flashes, you know, involvement in it and start bringing in other characters, focus more on Keaton's Batman. I don't know who else is in it, but like bring it more of like a, like a, a collaborative film to kind of, you know, this happens with flash. It kind of kicks off this series of events, but then kind of like, put him in the background of his own movie and just kind of cut him out after his necessary part is done. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You could bring in an, a multiverse flash and reshoot stuff. Yeah. It could just be a like different Justice one. Justice League, the flashpoint paradox. Yeah. You know, so you, you bring, bring in, in uh, somebody else, Dustin, whatever his name is from the, from the, uh, the other one, you could have multiple flashes. Grant Gustin. Yeah. Grant Gustin. That's it. Grant Gustin. You could bring the guy from the nineties show back. You could do like a whole, I mean, yeah, be cribbing, you know, no way home a little bit, but it could be fun to do it that way. Yeah. Man. I hope that kid gets help and everybody, everything works out. It's horrible. I, I got, I guess throw out a percentage that the movie actually comes out. I'll go forty percent. Mm-hmm. I'm really not. I'm not confident right yeah. now. Maybe that'll change. Although I hope Johnny Hollywood's listening because I think our little, our little, our little spitball there is an excellent idea. And I hope that they, yes. <laughs> that they, they come and uh, come talk to us about what they should do next. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, because wouldn't it be fun if you had like Keaton as like Dark Knight, like old man, Dark Knight Returns, Batman? I think that'd be awesome. Okay. Anyway. Um, okay. <laughs> what are the odds? This is my comic book one. So we've always had like Iron Man running through the kind of through line. What are the odds? Mm-hmm. 
with Evans being gone, Johansson being gone, Renner kind of rightly pushed to the side. <laughs> what is what are the odds uh, Hemsworth and Thor becomes the new MCU through line? I I guess pretty solid, right? Uh, Hemsworth, I don't think has any plans on going anywhere, mm-hmm. though. I don't know if his diet can continue to be like he's going to get older. I don't know if he can maintain sure. that size and mass and all that stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But sure, I don't. I think they want to have a couple like tentpole characters, mm-hmm. the old guard to keep around. Yeah. So I'd say the odds that they stick around in some capacity. I'd say it's like 85% for the next 10 years. Mm. I think I think that's entirely possible. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I know Hemsworth was kind of over Thor, and he wasn't happy where it was going, and he was ready to kind of leave. Um, but then YTT kind of breathed some new life into the character for him and us, uh, as the case may be. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how they would work him in because he is such a cosmic character kind of thing, and he's like, you know, a God-given flesh yeah. uh, kind of thing. But... I'll say 75%. I think he and if Holland decides to come back and kind of, he could be, they could be the two through lines through these things as they kind of usher in the next wave of, you know, of superheroes. Yeah. I really hope they turn um, Peter Parker, Tom Holland's character into a science teacher in high school. Yeah. I always love when they did that angle yeah. in the comics role. Yeah. I was, well, you know, there's got the whole young Avengers thing. I mean, and then that would be funny of having, Holland Spider-Man be like the old man Iron Man character, like you know, bringing up yeah. all the all the young kids and stuff. I think that could be fun. That would be cool. Yeah. All right. Then let me ask you, Matt, to piggyback on that. What are the odds that Thor: Love and Thunder breaks a billion dollars? So Ragnarok didn't break a billion dollars, right? Even though I love it. Hmm. Um. You know what? This may be foolish optimism on my part, but I'm going to say 75%. So it was 854 that pulled in. Yeah, I'm going to say 70. I'll stick with my guns. I'll have to be a man of integrity. I'll say 75%. I'm not, I'm probably going to be wrong, but I feel like it, I hope that it does do really well. I think you got a good shot because the film had some legs and. The word of mouth, I think, is still solid mm. on Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people may have caught up with it afterwards who didn't see it in the theater, right. which would help Love and Thunder. Now, I don't know how much the trolls are going to impact it. That We got She-Thor, as they demand that uh, that uh, uh, Natalie Portman's Thor character be called. Whatever. Who cares? So, I think you got a shot. I'm still going to go a little under you. I'd say maybe it'll clear 900, but I don't know if it'll break the bills. Yeah. So I'll go, um, what'd you say? 75. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go, <laughs> I'll go 69. No, I'll go 70. <laughs> okay. I'll go 70%. I'm confident, but um, I think it'll get, it, it, it's a good chance, but I don't think it eventually will happen for sure. I don't even say, I mean, Mighty Thor was a character in the comics for years, for years in the main comic book. I don't understand why people. Yeah didn't what they why they would even complain about that hey people by the way anybody listening to this don't listen to the trolls ms marvel is is a lot of fun and iman valani is is adorable she is great in that in that role she can tell she's having a lot of fun i have yet to watch that yet because you know i like my superheroes to be men dudes (laughs) bros you know what i think you should give it a shot you know i think i think you'll surprise yourself i have all right brah (laughs) 
yeah i'll check it out i'm um i have to finish something i can't remember what but that is next on my mm. list so yeah she's... i did finish obi-wan so i can move on there you go stranger things or that which one should i go to next well uh ms marvel is only on just released its third episode and stranger things is about to release the second half of its season by the time this show comes out so i would say stranger things okay uh, but one's ms marvel's about a half hour episode no they're long. Or they're long they're about 45 minutes to an hour all right well the stranger things ones are like an hour and a half yeah right? they they're like they mini movies long. each one yeah hmm all right good to know all right Okay, uh, so I guess for my final one, we've heard a lot of uh, a lot of stories uh, about you know the kind of goings on and the movings of Netflix and how they are trying to adjust with kind of a lot of backlash with how they're going to try and you know keep getting money, um, having ads, cutting down on password sharing, all that kind of stuff. So what are mm-hmm. the odds Netflix is dethroned as the number one streaming service in the next five years? Oh, I probably would go, I'll go 80% on that. You think so? Especially if there's any further consolidation. The fact that the Discovery Plus folks bought, um, that's going to be merging, they bought the Warner thing, mm-hmm. which is part of HBO Max. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get all the Discovery shows as well. Then I think within that window, I think HBO Max may be... The king, though they're more—they're well, not, they're not more expensive, right? Aren't they fifteen bucks a month? And Netflix is now twenty. I think so. Yes, or like eighteen something. Either way, I yeah, I I think they will because they just keep churning out. I think for the most part, subpar original content. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'd say their catalog of existing stuff is pretty solid, mm-hmm. but for bang for your buck, I think Max is better. And I think H- Apple TV has a couple good things, but at five bucks a month, you don't know if you can really beat that. The whole nongs, how long that price will stay static. Mm-hmm. And then what do you got? Prime? Eh. Hulu? It's got Disney yeah. behind it. So I'm not sure. But I would say, if I, if I give you a percentage yet, no. I don't know if I have. No. I'll say uh, 75% that Netflix gets dethroned in the next five years. Um. It could come back, but yeah, mm. I yeah, I guess I'll say seventy percent. I feel like there's a lot of anger to the way they're moving, and I think it's unrealistic because I mean, ultimately, a company has to make money; it has to grow, kind of thing. And if you've kind of exhausted your subscriber, if that's how you grow, then you got to come up with something else. Um, password sharing, kind of a, a douche thing, but if they did the Hulu thing where they added a few commercials at the beginning and then they didn't interrupt it during that. I'd be fine with that. So I think 70%. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. All right. I got one more, Matt. We'll close it out. Okay. We've seen, what are the odds we've seen a movie this year that gets nominated for an Oscar? We've already seen one. hundred percent. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I think Okay. with 10 entries, I think uh, Maverick and... Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once are are locks to get at least a nomination. I don't know if Ma- Maverick could get a Best Picture nom. I guess that's possible. Mm-hmm. Everything, everywhere, all at once could get an effects nomination. RRR could get a uh, foreign language Best International Feature f- nomination. Foreign language. Listen to me. How old are you? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right. I think the odds are a little higher than I anticipated, but I don't. Right now, I don't see a ton of awards. And I'm sure Lightyear will get an animated feature mm-hmm. nomination mm-hmm. probably too. That's a good point. Chris, that was a stupid question. Way to close things out. 
All right. <laughs> well, so then the the better question would be, what are the odds we get? We've seen a best picture nominee already. Yeah, I still think, think it's hundred percent. Maverick's gonna. I think Maverick, and I, I, I guarantee you, I'd be willing to actually guarantee this. You know, as an actual what are the odds question, like a bet with you, gentlemen's bet that we will get that everything everywhere all at once will at least get a nomination for best picture. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Well, I may have to consider that. Right. <laughs> you have to take on that action. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. All right, we'll do that. We'll do a. Um, what do you want to do? Like a ten dollar gift card to AMC to get yourself a soda pop of your choice or something. Sure, like that? sure, we can do that. Okay. <laughs> wow, I got. Th- I don't know though. You might be right. All right, I want. I want a little time to think about this. Do some research. About this. Look at the look yeah, at the bookie no, odds in I, Vegas. Also, see what else is coming out. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe something could push it out of the window. So interesting. All right. All right. What are the odds, folks? Just an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. What do you think? We'd love to hear from you. Matt, what's coming up on the next big episode? Uh, well, uh, I'm going on vacation, so we are doing an all-streaming episode. Um, so we are going to review Adam Sandler's new basketball movie on Netflix called Hustle. And um, I talked Chris into watching a foreign air quotes horror movie that was uh, shown at Sundance that is now available for streaming on Peacock called You Are Not Alone. There you go. Or is it You Won't Be Alone? Oh, You Won't Be Alone. We can't get it right, folks. I'm sorry. No. We, but we did watch the Either movie. We, did, we are going to watch the yes. movie. <laughs> and uh, we'll also talk about our five favorite dramatic turns by comedians as well. That'll be the top five for that week. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you will find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And uh, that's going to be it this week, folks. Going to go ahead and take an extended break. We love you very much. See you soon. You don't care about me. You're not my friend. No, I don't even like the Hulk. He's all like, smash, smash. I, I prefer you. Thanks. But if I'm being honest, when it comes to fighting evil beings, he is very powerful and useful. Yeah, Banner's powerful and useful too. Is he though?